all just kind of close our eyes. And I just encourage you to lift your hands. Let's just make him our cornerstone this morning. Nice and quiet. Christ faith and pray for every single need in this place. Those lyrics say, through the storm, he is Lord. This morning, if you are going through what you would call a storm in your life, I just want you to raise your hands up nice and high. We also have our eyes closed. You got lots of privacy. I've got my hand raised. Through a storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. Lord, I pray for every storm in this room, everything that your people are going through. Lord, we just pray right now for physical needs. We pray, Lord, for healing in people's bodies, Lord. We simply ask you to heal. We simply ask you to turn it around. We simply ask you, Lord, that every physical ailment, every disease, every virus, Lord, would be healed in Jesus' name. Lord, we simply ask you, God, that every single need in every relationship would be met, oh God. Lord, that there would be reconciliation, Lord, that there would be, Lord, Lord, there'd be friendships that are restored, that, Lord, that there would be uh, peace, Lord, between husband and wife and, and, and parents and children, oh God, Lord, that, that you would bring restoration, you would bring healing to relationships, Lord. We simply ask you for that. Lord, if we're in a storm, God, of financial need, Lord, we pray, God, for jobs. Lord, we pray for positions, Lord. We pray, God, Lord, that you will come through for your people, Lord. And while we wait, Lord, while we wait for your best for us, we trust you. We trust you. We hold on to Jesus. We look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Though we don't see it complete, you see it as being completed. So we hold on through the storm. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Ladies and gentlemen, I suggest that you allow him to bear your grief and carry your sorrow. I suggest 
I suggest that this morning we take off that burden and we lay it squarely upon Jesus. That we lay it at the foot of the cross, if you will. Because he bore our grief. He carried our sorrows. And it says later there that by his stripes we are healed. So God, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that your word doesn't return to you void, but it accomplishes exactly what it's been sent to do. In fact, it prospers in the thing that it's been sent to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can sit down after you hug somebody or give them a high five or fish 20 bucks out of your pocket and hand it over. Any one of those things. You really should introduce yourself to your neighbor. Show them your tattoos. Um, you know, well, not all of them. Any tattoos that are visible, at least explain them. Every tattoo should have a story. Otherwise, well, there's a show called Bad Ink. I'm just saying. Nobody knows what I'm talking about, maybe. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, good, good. I'm in the right crowd. I work on a construction site, folks. So I'm a little bit rough around the edges. But God is uh, sanding me, right? Fixing me up. Amen. Well, does anybody have a paper Bible this morning? Like one that has paper in it? If you do, can you just hold it up for me? Does anybody have a digital Bible, like on your iPhone, or your iPod, or your i? That would be cool, right? Tune it in on my eye. But uh, yeah, we're going to look to the Word of God this morning. Uh, would you do me a favor? If you have one of those Bibles, just hold it up. And we're going to just say something. just going to say something. If you just repeat after me, that would be great. If you disagree with what I'm saying, you can feel free not to repeat. But it's a lot of fun. Why don't you shout out, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. This morning, I will be taught the Word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I will never be the same if, if I'm ready to receive. So this morning, Abram, everybody know Abram? It's my father-in-law, Abram. So this morning, Abram, I'm ready, ready to receive the incorruptible, the indestructible, the ever-living, everlasting seed, the Word of God. Now you pound your Bible. There you go. So you can take that Bible and you can open it uh, if you have a digital version of some kind. We're going to actually look probably at three portions of Scripture, so you may need to somehow put three fingers in the Bible to be able to flip back and forth. I don't know how you do that on an iPhone. Maybe, that, maybe there's an app for that. Maybe there's not. It's the three-finger app. It's like the alien app. I don't know. But um, if you don't have three fingers, then, yeah, it's the war amps. I don't know. Um, but... Uh, Three fingers is what you need to uh, look in your Bible. We're going to look at three portions of Scripture. 
Um, we're going to go to, uh, starting with, I'm just trying to do it so it makes sense, Acts chapter 19. We're going to go there. So you can put one finger there, but we're not going to read there first. But you can put one finger there. And then after that, it would be Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. And after that is where we'll actually start. We're going to start in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. If you got it, say, I got it. If you're still looking, say, I'm still looking. It's okay. Uh, 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 Acts will be chapter 19. Acts 19, Ephesians 1 and 2, like Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, just kind of get in that general zone. And then Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. We're going to start from the back and move to the front. Start from the bottom to the top, and now we're here. Okay. Just testing. Just testing the crowd a little bit. Okay. Those are song lyrics. Uh, I apologize in advance. Well, I don't really apologize. I warn you in advance. I'm a little bit of a music freak. So uh, I warn you in advance there may be several music references from the late 70s and 80s. So um, it just happens. I don't know why. Uh, I was preparing for this message and listening to Foreigner, so excuse me. Pardon me for that. But uh, this morning I want to share a message with you called Finding Your First Love Again. Finding Your First Love Again. Would you just bow your heads for a second and let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would take your word and Lord, as it comes out of my mouth, God, that you would transform it into life-giving food. You would transform it, God, just like Jesus is the bread of life. And you would make it something that we can chew on all week that will change us and make us more like you. We love you so much. And we thank you for your word. And we're ready to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Go ahead and punch somebody in the arm nice and gentle. Punch gentle. Do I look more or less serious with the glasses? I'm just getting used to this. I'm less nervous because I can't see you as well. The thing is, is that if I, there's a certain zone that I can actually see better if I take them off, and so it's confusing, but. Do you remember the first time you did something? Fill in the blanks. Do you remember the first time you tried to swim? You know, did you have a parent just kind of throw you in the deep end? You know, they just kind of said, okay, just edge out on the diving board and then in you go. Right? What are those things over there? Those are water wings. Oh, maybe we should take them out of the package, right? You remember the first time you rode a bike, hit a baseball, the first time you drove a car, the first time you smashed up a car? 
The second time you smashed up a car? The third time? They say, and not for me because I'm weird, you're normal, I'm weird. They say that, uh, that standing up in front of people and giving a talk, that public speaking is one of the biggest fears that people have. So how many people remembered the speech you had to do in grade eight? Yeah? You know, or at some point you gave that first time, right? That first speech. Well, my first, my first speech, I get, my, my first speech was entitled this, What God Thinks About Abortion. Light, very light. I'm going in easy on that one, right? I did the entire thing with my fly wide open. Everybody laughing the whole time. So if it's okay with you, I'm just going to check. I'm good. All right. But yeah, first time. There are so many things that we remember because we did them the first time. Does anybody remember the first time you fell in love? Right? <laughs> There's some little guys in here that are like, Dora is so cute. Right? Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe not everybody's there yet. Totally get it. For me, it was grade three. Yeah. Her name was Rhonda. 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 Her name was Rhonda. And what I did, you know, I've always been a little bit of a nerd, always been a little bit of a geek. And so what I did is I tried to make it as clear for her as possible. I wrote her a note. It was a very short note. It basically said this. I love you. Do you love me? Please indicate in the box below. And I had a check box, yes or no. Simple, right? I thought it would be so simple if she ever got it. Because before she got it, I left it in my pants overnight, and my mom, being the amazing mom she is, always emptied my pockets before she washed them, and my mother found the note. Let's have a look at this scripture in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write this. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Hopefully in your translation, the word he and his is capitalized. And maybe you have one of those red letter edition Bibles. This is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking about himself. He says, I know your works. He's speaking to the church in Ephesus. Now, he's not writing a letter probably to an angel. He's writing a letter to the messenger or the person that's going to give this message. So maybe it was the pastor or the leader of that congregation. To the messenger of the church in Ephesus, right? Verse 2, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, that you've tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you've found them to be liars. Verse 3, and you've persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. 
Verse 4, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Verse 5, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or I'll come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. And Jesus, in this, these passages of Scripture, he goes through a few different churches, and he kind of gives them this plus-minus report. Do you know what a plus-minus is? I play hockey. I'm a defenseman, so I know all about the plus-minus. So basically what happens, it's a stat that if you're on the ice when your team scores, you get a plus, right? If you're on the ice when the other team scores, you get a minus. So in my Bible, I will have these little pluses and minuses in these scriptures. So the plus for this, script, this church in Ephesus is that I know your works, your labor, your patience, uh, your discernment, that you've labored and you work hard and you've not become weary. And then the minus is beside verse 4 where it says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Other translations use this word, forsaken abandoned or departed from your first love for God. Your love for God, your love for people has been abandoned. Maybe it was abandoned for busyness. I mean, it happens, right? It happens sometimes where we get so busy that we forget maybe about God. We forget about the people that God so desperately loves. And if we look at the scripture, I think that there's something that we can learn from it. I think, I think there are many people in this room, I know that it, it spoke to me when I read it, and that's why I'm preaching it to you. You know, it's a lot easier to speak sermons than it is to live them. It is. But when I read the scriptures, I see sermons in the Bible because I'm weird, because I'm a preacher. But then, guess what? I have to receive from the Word of God too and try to live those. So this really hit me because sometimes the busyness of life gets in the way. And we want to serve God and we want to talk to God and we want to be in love with God and we want to love people but we get busy, and sometimes it seems like days and weeks, and sometimes months go by before we feel that love, before we know that we're kind of in that zone. I think there's something that we could learn here. So my question is, for me, is, okay, if I'm in that place where I've kind of forgotten my first love, if I've, I'm in that place where I've forgotten about loving God and what He's done in my life and who He is, and loving people that need him so desperately that God has placed in my path, the guys that I work with on my construction site, those people that are in my sphere of influence, that those people are in my mission field, and I've kind of forgotten about it. I've just kind of been focused on myself. How do I find my first love again? I think there's three ways, three things that we can learn from these portions of Scripture and from this church in Ephesus that will help us to find our first love again. Number one, remember that we found love in a hopeless place. Another song title, right? 
It's Rihanna, though. It's not old. We found love in a hopeless place. These Ephesians, these people from Ephesus, they were in a hopeless place. They were living in a city that was like a red light district. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say red light district? They were living in a very sinful city. Most of the people in that city worshipped the goddess Diana. And the worship of the goddess Diana involved a lot of inappropriate stuff between men and women and women and women and men and men and people and non-humans. It was messed up. It was a messed up place. I mean, people talk about how rampant sin is now and how, you know, horrible it is and how the world's just getting darker and darker and darker. Hey, sin is nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. And Ephesus was not a good place to raise a family. You didn't let your kids go to the park by themselves. I mean, they would, li- they, they would randomly snatch up girls who were slaves, and they would have to take part in horrible rituals. It, it was a bad place. Sin, slavery, abuse, not a good place to grow up. It was a place where your ideas about, uh, about love, family, and identity it was a place where all of that was messed up. Does any of that sound familiar to you? Do we have any problems in our society messing up our definitions of love and intimacy and family and identity? They were in a hopeless place. And they found Jesus in this place. The Bible says that as Paul was going through onto Corinth, he stopped in Ephesus, this big city, metropolitan area, the next biggest city to Rome. I mean, it was a city. It was what they, they built. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures, but they, they built this temple to the goddess Diana. That's that big one in Ephesus. The big one in Ephesus has like 127 pillars. Huge. Again, there's the geek in me, right? Construction. Yeah. Crazy place. And the reason we identify, if we really think about what that culture was like, this pagan culture that was completely, uh, that every god was invented and made up what it was like to grow up there. We recognize this, is that we were hopeless too. For those of us that have found Jesus, for those of us that have given our life to Jesus, do you remember what it was like before you met Jesus? Do you remember what it was like when you are in that hopeless place? Wondering what you were doing here on earth? Wondering what the future held for you? wondering if there was any eternity beyond the grave, wondering if this 80 years that we get down here, whatever it is, maybe that's all there is to it. Folks, this is one of the ways that 
I submit that we find our first love again. That we remember that we found love in a hopeless place. I had gone to church all my life. And I was in grade nine. And I was getting drunk three times a week. Playing on the football team. Traveling in a jazz band. Living a million miles away from where God wanted me to be. But even though I wasn't where God wanted me to be, God still wanted me. And God met me because I never gave up going to church. Folks, no matter how far you stray from God or no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're into, no matter how much you sin, don't stop coming to church. Don't stop being a part of the family of God. Don't. Just don't. I'm getting to know folks in this church. I'm telling you, they will love you through anything. Found love in a hopeless place. And when I remember that, when I remember the way I was, and when I remember how God spoke to me in not an audible voice, but an almost audible voice, it resonated within me. God calling me to love people, and God calling me to, to be a part of his ministry. God calling me to be a leader, to teach people the love of God. When I felt that, I knew that he loved me. And I knew that although I was in a hopeless place, that I had hope now, that I had a future now. If only I would step into what he had created me to do, I remembered that I found love in a hopeless place. How do we find our first love again? Number two, we recognize that God made the first move. God made the first move. They are in this hopeless place. And if you read the account in Acts chapter 19, you don't have to go there now, but if you read the account in Acts chapter 19, you could see just how hopeless it was. And literally, an entire city is transformed by the love of God. Transformation happens because of the love of God. Literally, Jesus comes to town. Literally, the love of God comes to town in each person's life individually and in their city. Does anybody know who B.B. King is? Does anybody like blues, blues music? I know maybe I'm stretching this one. By the way, his first name is really Riley King. Little piece of geek culture there. He has a song that says, when love comes to town, I'm gonna jump that train. When love comes to town, I'm gonna catch that flame. First one says this, I was a sailor, I was lost in sea, I was under the waves before love rescued me. When love comes to town, I'm going to jump that train. When love comes to town, I'm going to catch that flame. James Rowe wrote a hymn, kind of similar. It says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within sinking to rise no more but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me now safe 
am I love lifted me love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else could help love lifted me love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else could help love lifted me I recognize this I recognize this that God made the first move God made the first move if you read in Acts chapter 19 verse 1 and 2 the Bible tells how they had this unique experience with the Holy Spirit people are empowered to not only receive the love of God themselves but to share that love of God with each other they're empowered to tell other people the Bible says that Paul is called to stay in that city for two years until the Bible says that everyone in that region everyone in Asia Minor actually hears the word of the Lord God chose them, and they never would have foreseen it. Ladies and gentlemen, sir, madam, God chose... I just said madam. I can't believe it. God, God chose you. He made the first move. Like the Ephesians, if some of you, if I told you where you would be today, if I told you five years ago or one year ago, if I told your old self, you would never believe me. If, if you would have told me when I was 14 years old that I would get a chance to stand here, that I would get a chance to work with young people that, the way that I have, that I would get a chance to go to Mississippi and to be with... If, I, if you would have told me all those things, I would have told you you're crazy. I am not interested in that. I am interested in playing football, even though I'm short. And I'm interested in playing jazz music, even though I can't scat solo very well. Ah, no. But if I told you that you'd be where you are now, if I told your old self, you may not have believed me. Before you believed, he believed in you. Before you accepted him, he accepted you. Before you ever decided to serve him, before you ever decided to serve him, he destined you and he designed you to serve him and the people that he loves. Would you do me a favor and turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2? Okay, we're going to scan actually. Go back to verse 1. Sorry, chapter 1. Verse 3. Scan real quick. Talk about the church of Ephesus and talking about you. If you're there, say I'm there. If you're still looking, say, I'm still looking. Okay, I want everybody to be there. If you're there, stand. No, don't stand. You don't have to stand. That's okay. I'm joking. But I want you to see this. I want you to see this here in your Bible. Before you, I'm going to repeat this. Before you believe, he believed in you. Before you accepted him, he accepted you. Before you ever decided to serve him, he destined you and designed you to serve him and the people that he loves. Before you made up your mind, look at verse, well, just kind of scan it over. In verse 3, the Bible says he blessed you with every spiritual blessing. In verse 4, it says he chose you before the foundation of the word. In verse 5, it says he predestined you to be adopted by Jesus Christ. In verse 6, he made us accepted in the beloved. Now you got to go 
really fast and you got to scan over to uh, chapter 2, verse 1, because if you don't, I'm going to lose my momentum. Verse 2, he made you alive who are dead in trespasses and sins. Skip down to verse 4, but God, everybody say, but God. This is one of God's big butts. Okay, anyway. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit in together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he would show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone would boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk therein. Ladies and gentlemen, he made the first move. He made the first move. How do we find our first love again? We remember that he chose us. It was kind of no decision for us because of his great love. Although for some of us it took time. And for some of us it's still taking time. Number three, how do we find our first love? We repent. And we respond to his request. We could have the keyboard player just kind of come up and play something soft. It'll make things way more dramatic that way. Sorry, I'm a little sarcastic sometimes. How do, we, how do we find our first love again? Number three, we repent and respond to his request. Go back to uh, Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. Remember, nevertheless, I have this against you. You left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. See, Ephesus repented when love came to town. I'd encourage you this afternoon, maybe, open up your Bible to Acts chapter 19 and see some of the amazing things that happened in Ephesus. It's an incredible cycle of repentance and faith and healing and hope and people turning from witchcraft and sorcery. Just amazing things. The Bible says that God healed people in this really special way where um, these handkerchiefs that Paul had, they would take them to people and just lay them on the sick, on the sick, and they'd be healed. Just incredible stuff that God did in Ephesus. Love literally came to town. God made the first move, and they responded. And the Bible says that they turned their world upside down. 
back in Acts chapter 19. You don't have to go there, but Acts chapter 19, verse 20. It says that the word of the Lord grew there. It grew mightily, and it prevailed. Until all Asia heard the word of the Lord. They needed to go back to the beginning. That scripture we just read in Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. It says, repent and do the first works. Folks, true love is a decision corroborated by corresponding action. True love is more like a verb. I think that's a DC Talk song. True love is a verb. Anyway. True love is a decision corroborated by corresponding action. The truth of the matter is, is that if somebody were to accuse Jesus, if somebody were to accuse God and put him on the witness stand and accuse him of loving me, he would be guilty on all counts. Even after Adam sinned at the beginning, the baseball game in the beginning, Yeah, the, even after Adam sinned in the beginning, right away, God's plan goes into action. Right away, he warns the devil. He warns Satan. He says, you are going to lose. You're going to lose. This seed of the woman, this, this line, this, these, this race of human beings is going to bruise your head. His plan goes into action right away. How do we find our first love again? Remember that we found love in a hopeless place. We recognize that God made the first move. And we repent. We respond to his request. His request that we do the first works. I believe I'm speaking to a few people in this room because I know that there are parts of me when I read this scripture it hit me hard because I get busy I get worried and days go by and I'm like I read this scripture and I'm captured again by the amazing love of God and I'm thankful I had the chance to communicate this to you but I'm so thankful that this love letter was written to me. We repent. We respond to his request. Could everybody in the room just bow your head and close your eyes? I'm hoping that some of you in this room are not yet Christian. If you're in this room and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you're not yet a Christian, you've never accepted him into your heart and life, today is your day. Maybe you've never responded to his love. Maybe you've been waiting for the right time to give your life to Jesus. Like Sammy Hagar said, right now is the right time. Right now is the right time.
he made the first move. Right away, even after Adam sinned, his plan to bring us back into that relationship like he had with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden went into action. And he sent his own son, Jesus, to die on a cross and to take your sin and to take my sin. Now he's sending a friend request out to you. Knocking on your heart's door. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never accepted his love, you can find love in a hopeless place. I'm going to ask once again, everybody's heads bowed, everybody's eyes closed in the room. If, you, if that's you this morning, you want to receive Jesus, I'm going to simply ask you to lift your hand after I count to three. If you're ready to make that commitment, you're ready to receive him, accept his love into your life. I'm simply going to ask you to lift your hand when I get to three. One, two, three. Would you lift your hand if that's you? Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Everybody's eyes are closed. Everybody's head's bowed. I'm the only one looking. Is there anybody else? Sir and young lady, you put up your hand. I want you to know that today was for you. Today was for you. A big part of the reason the lights are on in this building is for you. But everybody in the room, just do me a favor. We're gonna just gonna we're gonna repeat this prayer. And if you raised your hand and you want to receive Jesus for the first time this morning. Just kind of pray along with us. Would everybody just repeat it just for, the, just for the sake of privacy this morning? Say, Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I receive your love. I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again for me. Now I'm yours. I thank you. Amen. If that's you and you raised your hand, I'd appreciate it if you could just come and talk to me afterwards. I'm not sure if we have people that are, are trained for that. We do. Awesome. That's awesome. Just to kind of get you going, get you, get you started. Just appreciate that so much, that response. Let me ask you this. I'm assuming then... If you've never given your life to Jesus, that you would have raised your hand, but maybe you didn't. But I think there's probably a lot of people here that are a follower of Jesus.